The reading of God's word, the reading will be taken from the fifth chapter in the book of Ephesians. Hear now the word of the Lord. Therefore, do not be unwise, but understand what the will of the Lord is. And do not be drunk with wine, in which is dissipation, but be filled with the Spirit, speaking to one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord, giving thanks always for all things to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, submitting to one another in the fear of the Lord. Wives, submit to your own husbands as to the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife, as also Christ is head of the church, and he is the Savior of the body. Therefore, just as the church is subject to Christ, so let wives be to their own husbands in everything. Husbands, love your wives, just as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for her, that he might sanctify and cleanse her with the washing of water by the word that he might present her to himself a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that she should be holy and without blemish. So husbands ought to love their own wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. For no one ever hated his own flesh, but nourishes and cherishes it, just as the Lord does the church. For we are members of his body, his flesh, and his bones. For this reason, a man shall leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. This is a great mystery, but I speak concerning Christ and the church. Nevertheless, let each one of you in particular so love his own wife as himself, and let the wife see that she respects her husband. This is the word of the Lord. Let us pray. Our gracious Heavenly Father, we thank you for the instructions that we have in your word for life, for righteousness, and for holiness. We thank you for that. You may be seated. Since this year's preaching schedule has it so that I bring the message on both Mother's Day and Father's Day, I thought some practical advice on marriage would be in order for both weeks. These are not, diff- these are not official church calendar days, but the Bible does have an awful lot to say about mothers and fathers and marriage, so I think it's appropriate. Now, moms, I want you to relax because we're here to honor you on this day. It's the men who might be put on the spot today. And Lord willing, your turn will come on Father's Day. Now, in the familiar passage I read this afternoon, the Apostle Paul points out that marriage is closely related to the relationship between Christ and his bride, the church what he calls a mystery. Now, uh, it's not a mystery in the sense of something hidden that can't be known. It's not like a murder mystery where you only get to find out the truth at the end. 
The mystery that Paul has in mind is one of wonder and awe about something we can know more and more about year after year and yet never exhaust what can be learnt. Marriage is among the four things that the king lists as too wonderful for him in Proverbs chapter 30. There at verse 18 we read, There are three things which are too wonderful for me. Yes, four, which I do not understand. The way of an eagle in the air, the way of a serpent on a rock, the way of a ship in the midst of the sea, and the way of a man with a maiden. Now the king here is not saying that he knows nothing about how a bird flies or how a snake slithers or how sailors can manage to navigate the oceans. He is just amazed by those events and knows that there is always more to learn. He then includes among them the marriage relationship between a man and a woman. This mystery is what we could call the big picture. And it can be studied from the first marriage of Adam and Eve in the garden to the great marriage supper of the Lamb where he delights in his bride, the church. And yes, it's how we should see all of our marriages. As Pastor Wilkins rightly points out, marriage is not primarily for us. He says, if you're getting married for your sake, don't. He says, it is not primarily for us, but our marriages are for the world. Now, in our world today, marriage and any sexual purity is under very heavy attack. And I want to respond to those attacks with these two messages, both here and on Father's Day. But my response might surprise some, but not if we think about these evil attacks in the way the Bible often represents them. Darkness, deep darkness. I'm thinking of something like how God described the state of Israel through the prophet Zephaniah. Where at verse 15 of chapter 1 we read, That day is a day of wrath, a day of trouble and distress, a day of devastation and desolation, a day of darkness and gloominess, a day of clouds and thick darkness. Now, I'm guilty as charged. Many of us today sound like really good prophets because we're able to call out darkness everywhere around us, helping everyone see how truly dark our culture has become. But I'm suggesting there are other ways to address that darkness besides calling it out. Let's think a little bit about darkness. Is anyone here scared of the dark? You guys all do okay at night? No night lights? Huh? Bunch of brave people here today. Well, how about, have any of you gone into those California caves or caverns where they turn off the lights and let you truly experience thick darkness? How many have done that? You should do it. It's amazing. But what do we do about such darkness? What do they do in the cave? They turn on the light. What happens to the darkness? 
It flees. Pastor Wilkins was a little humorous there because he pointed out that he's never in his life turned a light switch on and had the light bulb go, oh, oh, I'm scared of the dark, and run off. No, it's the darkness that flees. If we were God, we could just do things like speak light into existence or place the sun, the moon, and the stars in the skies, but we're not God. But we do have a role to play when it comes to light. Jesus teaches us that while he is the light of the world, the one who spoke all light into existence, we are to be like candles that share his light. So rather than curse the darkness around us, I want us to consider some practical ways that we can dispel the darkness by turning on some light, by having the kind of marriage that lights up the world. God has always used means to accomplish his purposes. He sent his people into exile as a judgment, but he needed them to be restored so Messiah could come through them as he planned. His people had brought great darkness, as Zephaniah described, into the promised land, and now they're being sent into exile in Babylon for some 70 years. Now, amazingly, God sent them, as part of the judgment, into a land of even greater darkness. The prophet Habakkuk said, Lord, we're bad, but you can't even look at them. They're so bad. Those Jews would likely have desired, as Habakkuk did, to rage against the Babylonian Empire and all the deep darkness and the many bad bills they were trying to pass. But we need to step back and consider the Lord's instruction to a people in the midst of such great darkness. God didn't just send them off and say, do whatever you want. He actually wrote them a letter. And he had the letter sent by the prophet Jeremiah to King Nebuchadnezzar, who then read it to the people. So imagine Governor Newsom sending a message here and telling us what we need to do from the Lord. We might not receive it real well, but here's what the letter said in Jeremiah. Build houses and dwell in them. Plant gardens and eat their fruit. Take wives and beget sons and daughters. And take wives for your sons and give your daughters to husbands so that they may bear sons and daughters, that you may be increased there and not diminished. And seek the peace of the city where I have caused you to be carried away captive and pray to the Lord for it, for in its peace you will have peace. Now, those instructions from the Lord should be challenging to all of us here in America today. And with them in mind, I want to turn to our fathers and share some simple suggestions for how we can light some candles in the midst of thick darkness with those instructions in mind. And you young men that are here, or young boys, listen up, because these are things you can start preparing for even in your homes today. Now, as we do this, our marriages will burn brighter and be a better witness 
to a watching world. Now, I'm sure some will chuckle at the simplicity of some of the things that I'm going to suggest, and my wife is cringing at this point. But Jesus did not tell us to burn like the sun, but to light a candle. And a single candle can dispel a great deal of darkness in one of those caves or caverns. The Apostle Paul said that husbands are to love their wives as Christ loved the church. I want us to think about what that means in our everyday lives. I could begin with a pretty simple question. Husbands, when was the last time you told your lovely bride that you love her? Now, hopefully, it's at least every day and maybe more often. If not, if you think, oh, she knows or she'll get tired of it, do you ever get tired of Jesus telling you how much he loves you? And you better know how much Jesus loves you, or you will never be able to properly express love to your wife. This is a very critical thing for young men to remember and to learn as you prepare for marriage. And it's something good for young women to look for in a potential husband. That expression of love must also show up in a number of practical ways. I think we all know that. We know from places like Proverbs 31 that the wife has a lot of responsibilities around the home. So husbands, are you a help or hindrance when it comes to her work? For example, do your children learn the good habit of picking up after themselves by watching a loving father pick up after himself? There are some pretty small things in a home that can have an awful big impression. When your clothes go into the laundry, when you throw them in the basket, are they right side out? Or inside out. You expect them to come back right side out, right? But how do you send them to mom? Now, if you don't think that's a big deal, if I'm being kind of petty, just count up the number of socks, shirts, sweaters, jackets, and pants that your wife has to wash in an average month. If each family member does their part, it is not much to ask of them. But it takes a little time. But it's a big help for mom. That's time saved that mom can take for a little extra time with dinner or spend it with you and the children. Speaking of that mealtime, are you a help or a hindrance when it comes to making mealtime a priority? I know you're all good eaters, but there's a difference between making mealtime a priority and just getting something to eat. It is virtually impossible for a working man, and we all need to be working men, to be at a family meal three times a day. However, except in extraordinary circumstances, a meal or two can certainly be arranged each day. Those plans should be coordinated with your wife, and you should make attendance a priority. And while you're at the table, 
you should give thanks, you should have good manners, and facilitate some edifying discussions. Again, your children will learn from such a good example. And I cannot leave the simple to-do list without mentioning chivalry. It comes down to us from the age of knights. Many of our young men are reading their stories. They were expected to have virtues like piety and honor and valor and courtesy and chastity and loyalty. And I realized that if I went into this, I would do a rabbit trail for an hour that wouldn't fit properly into this sermon. So I made up a little worksheet that you can take home and have some family discussions over what knighthood should look like. And those are good things for us to be training our children and things that we as husbands should learn. Because while knighthood is largely a thing of the past, there are some things that would be nice to have. Remember the old women and children first? That would never have been controversial in the past. But today it seems to be everyone for themselves. Husbands can shine some light here by treating their wives and other women well. Giving up that seat on the bus or opening a door are very simple actions that speak volumes about what it means to be a man in today's world. So there you have some examples of simple but practical things to do, and we could add hundreds more. But there are also some simple and important things not to do. We are surrounded by a world filled with foul language and nasty habits. And you should be very careful not to bring either into your home. And I have pretty strong biblical support for that also from the book of Ephesians, where in chapter 4 Paul said, And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Let all bitterness, wrath, anger clamor and evil speaking be put away from you with all malice and be kind to one another tender-hearted forgiving one another even as God in Christ forgave you now I want you to think about this a construction worker or a man working in an oil field would never think about walking into a carpeted home without checking his shoes Not doing so could be a very costly mistake. However, we should consider the fact that it is often much easier to clean or even replace a carpet than it is to repair the damage that foul language and actions can do to a young child. And yes, they can also impact your wife. And do you know the best way to not slip up around the house? That's right. Don't use that language anywhere. It cheapens your speech and it makes you less of a man. We must also remember that if you have little ones in your home, they too are fallen creatures with a propensity to sin. So you must not only avoid the bad example, being a bad example for them to follow, but also be an integral part of their discipleship as they are raised in the fear and admonition of the Lord as many of you swore to do before this very congregation. You must not 
ignore bad behavior in your children. And you must not assume that their education is the sole responsibility of mom. An entire day of biblical training can be undone by dad allowing bad behavior because he's home now and wants to be friends with those children and not their parent. Now let me share with you the most important light that you must keep burning in your home. You and your wife must be best friends. Best friends who are always drawing closer and closer to Jesus. These two should go hand in hand. Remember, Jesus said to seek first the kingdom of God, and he will provide what you need, both materially and spiritually. God provided your wife as your helpmeet, and he expects the two of you to be friends. Your leadership in your home begins on your knees, asking God for the help that you and all of us need. Desiring that his kingdom come not only on earth as it is in heaven, but specifically in your marriage and your family. That is a bold prayer that the Lord delights to answer. You must then be a man of the word and a worshiping saint. As you grow closer to Jesus, you will naturally lead your wife to also be closer And as you both draw near to Jesus, what happens? It should be obvious. You draw closer to each other. As you do this, your marriage will be filled with passion. The book, the Song of Solomon, is in the Bible for a reason. You will be filled with wisdom because we have the prophets and the book of Proverbs to guide us. And your marriage will be filled with obedient living as we read and study the Gospels and the various epistles. Your marriage will also involve confession and forgiveness as two new creatures in Christ draw closer to him. The closer we get to Christ, the more we see our need to confess our sins. The Apostle John tells us that if we confess our sins, Jesus is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. That's probably the hardest promise in the Bible for us to actually grasp and believe. But if we believe that amazing truth, we will keep short accounts and avoid all those roots of bitterness and division that the enemy wants in our lives and our marriages. We started with the mystery of marriage. And just as one can learn a lot more about flight or slithering snakes or sailing on the sea, you will know more about the mystery of marriage more and more as you learn to do all of this with your best friend, telling her that you love her at least every day. It's a lot of simple steps that can help make your marriage and family be that shining city on the hill casting out the darkness around it with the light of the world that we have in Jesus Christ. Let's pray. 
Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for the challenges that we have from your word, but we also thank you for your spirit, who we know empowers us to obey your word. May we be those saints who are richly inspired and indwelt with your spirit this week and all the days of our lives. We thank you for this in Jesus' name. And all of God's people said, Let us rise now and sing our hymn of response from Psalm 80.